In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by entrepreneur, coach, and consultant Suze Paulinski of the Rockstar Advocate. Uh, we talk about her early introduction to music, going to college for music business, and graduating early, and ultimately getting a job as the Midwest sales director for EMI Records. Uh, we talk about the fact that she um, had to, in those early days, uh, convince some of the record stores to buy the inventory. Uh, and the fact that they didn't want to buy it because CDs were kind of going out of styles. We were ushering into the digital age of music that we are in now. Um, we talk about the fact that she uh, had to quit the label five times, or she decided to quit, tried to quit the label five times, but ultimately coming back, but then really deciding that she wanted to kind of step out on her own and start her own label. She ultimately decided after a couple of years of running the label, start a consulting firm for artists. Uh, but then what she realized that she knew a lot about music, but not so much about entrepreneurship. So she knew that unfortunately uh, she had to shut that down. Um, she ultimately took a job at Crate and Barrel was after she went back to school, got her master's degree in psychology. But and, and that ultimately being a, was a great experience for her because she was able to learn the aspects of entrepreneurship and running a business, how to make a, and how to make a business successful. Ultimately, she realized though that she had to hire a coach. To really help her fast track uh, her 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 business, and and what she ended up doing was uh, hiring a coach, and within three months she had a uh, success had a business started. In six months she had to start her her business that she has now, which is the Rockstar Advocate. Uh, we talk about the fact that she saw a place where she could um, help clients continue to be them without fitting into societal norms of what time management and success will look like. She realized that that's what most artists struggled with. What well, not so much was the music, but not having time, not being able to come back off the road and be able to integrate back into life as they once knew it. Um, we talk about how the fact that she launched uh, her first book, uh, which is the Rockstar Life Planner 2016, and the fact that uh, this book really was able to give uh, creatives the tools they needed to be successful, uh, not only in their creative side of their business, creative side of uh, their business, but also the business side and having the tools that they would need to to get to where they really wanted to go and be able to make a, a full time income doing uh, what they love to do, which is creating music. Um, so uh, we also end the episode by her talking about um, the power of being able to to use her her knowledge and her expertise to write for other publications and um, really just use it as an opportunity to build brand equity into her brand and the fact that it's just been really been a blessing to her to be able to uh, stretch her her wings and, and get people to trust her her content so i hope you guys really enjoy the episode Hey guys, welcome to another episode. This is episode 13 of the Encourage Inspire podcast. And I have my friend and colleague, Suze Paulinski here with me today. And this is going to be a fun episode. She's a, she's a coach like myself and, and, and we believe with a lot of same philosophies, but she takes a special approach to what she does. So I, I'm looking forward to getting into that. So Suze, how are you doing today? 
I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I love the energy. I'm I'm ready for this. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Cool. So, you know, you and I connected, I think the first time I heard about you was through Brianna mm-hmm. Wellis. And yeah. then I saw your name again with Rick Barker. Right. And then with Katie Zaccardi. Mm-hmm. So a lot of different, and I would just see, you know, and I'm like, okay, I like what she's doing. And, and, and ultimately, like, we believe in a lot of the same things, but, you know, uh, you take a you take a special approach, which we're going to dive deeper into it later in the podcast, but really on work-life balance, really mm-hmm. on time management and, how to, and goal setting and things like that, right? So I'm excited to get yeah. into that a little bit later, but I want to kind of start kind of like, you know, where were you born and, 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 and uh, what what is what were your earliest memories of music? Like, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm Queens born and raised. Still okay, I was born in Brooklyn. Queens. All right. Brooklyn. Well, you know, well, well, you know, there's there's space for all of us. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> I'm I'm always going at it with with my friends in Brooklyn about you know which is the better borough, but you know, right. there's there's room for us all. Um, right. Right. <laughs> but, but no, I mean my. My earliest memories of music, I mean, my parents were huge fans of music. We were always listening to Motown, the Beach Boys, like that. Those were the two main things blasting in our in our house. And then when my I have an older brother and when he got older, it was Wu-Tang and Tribe Called Quest and the Fugees. And we I mean, we were just so influenced by hip hop. And I just absolutely loved it my goal when i was 12 years old i I saw a behind the music of Death jam and um you know and and just learning about russell simmons and um how he got started with rick rubin and Lear cohen and i was like okay i don't fully understand it but that's what i have to do like i wanted to have the next Def jam label that was my goal um (laughs) so you know, small, small dreams, you know, nothing, right. nothing too big. Um, and then when I was 18, I learned about Drexel University in Philly. They just created their, their music industry program. It was brand new. And it was all about learning about the business. They weren't focused on, are you a musician? Cause I, I was, and I did like musical theater a little bit, right. but I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't want to perform. I had no, right. I Same did not here. That wasn't my gift. That wasn't my gift either. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, one, you know what thing I realized about that is, first of all, making music is not easy. And yes. I tried to learn how to produce music. That's hard. You know, mm-hmm. it's very difficult. You know, so yep. big ups to real music producers out there. Like, it's a real skill and it's a real craft. And it's not something that you can just think you can pick up and then get good at it. You have to right. really work at that stuff. And for me, it just wasn't my gift. My gift is people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, yeah. so I totally understand. Like, so yeah. So my sister was actually more of the performer. She was playing trombone in high school and she was in the marching band and she she was more of the creative person where I was. I didn't believe it or not, I always tell this all the time. Music found me. I didn't find it. I wanted I wanted somebody who grew up wanting to be in the music industry, wasn't really something I wanted to do. It was just kind of a, a thing that happened late in my late teens where I realized that oh, I really like this stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was in a hip-hop dance group here in Orlando, and, and uh, that's really how I got bit by the entertainment bug at, around 2004. So it was kind of late for me, but 
I'm thankful that I found something that I'm passionate about. And, and I wanted to go learn the business. And I was fortunate enough to, to have a mentor that kind of taught me what I wanted to, what I wanted to uh, be a part of. So I totally feel where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, I was a liner notes nerd. Like for me, it was, you know, I didn't want to perform on stage. I'd rush out to the wall when the, the latest CDs came out. I'd come home and study the liner notes and right. I'd be the nerd at school being like, you know, Q-Tip wasn't just in Tribe. He was also, you know, he produced and wrote for this person. You know, he right. was on this record. And like, I, you know, I was reading all the, the bylines and just crazy with like how people were you know, how Buster Rhymes was on like Crazy Sexy Cool and like what Diddy wrote for TLC and like all these other, and how everybody was, it was such a small network. I was like, oh my God, all these people are on everybody else's records and so many people don't even know about it. And all I, like, that's what I was obsessed about. As you said, like the people, right. the people aspect of it and the community of like how these artists all come together to help one another. That's what like I just found fascinating. I think that that is so awesome. And, you know, you, you mentioned about Drexel University. So that was my next question. Like, you know, because not a lot of people, most people in the music business don't have a degree that says mm -hmm. music business. I mean, people, you get in kind of, because this is a relationship industry, right? Relationship, you get enough relationships, but most people don't actually go to school for a degree. Because back in the day, you didn't really have that stuff. You didn't really have a degree to focus on music business. You know, so I mean, so that's cool. You know, my degree is actually in entertainment business from Full Sail University. But it's the same. It, we have a music business program. And the only reason why my degree was not in music business, because as a technicality, because when I was going to school there and I was on what they call the extended track versus the accelerated track. So at Full Sail, how it works is it's a non-traditional school. So you take one class a month. Mm. So you can either take so if you're on the accelerated track, you take two classes a month, you're in school six days a week. Or you take one class a month on the ex extended track and you're in school three days a week. Mm. So for me, it was actually going to be a little bit more expensive to, in year one of the program, to do the, the music business um, extended track even though the majority of my experience in the industry had been on the music business side. So I said, you know what, it's the same degree program, except the difference is like at the time when I was going there, if you did entertainment business, you would take a class called, you would take like a, what was it? Uh, event management versus like concert promotion or something like that. So essentially there was the same program, but you just, it was only a couple classes that were a little bit different, but yeah. for the most part, you know, it, you know, a lot of schools, there's only a few schools out here that have real music business programs that's focused primarily on the music business. So I yeah. think that's pretty cool. And then you did a, a master's in psychology. So talk to me about kind of, so you did your undergrad in music business. Yeah. And you did a master's in psychology. Yeah. I mean, it was, geez, I don't even know how many years later, like maybe six or eight years later, I decided to. I was Okay. So. So let's backtrack. Yeah. So okay, so you get yeah. your undergrad in music business. So you now yeah. you end, now you enter into the industry now. Yeah, I got out of school early. I doubled up on classes. I um, got out uh, about half a year early, and I um, started where I had been interning at Atlantic Records for almost three years. Nice. Then, yeah, and so I followed my boss left to go to EMI Astroworks, and he was like, "All right, well, if you can get out of school." By December, he's like, I'll have a spot open for you. So I was like, okay, let me figure this out. Like, 
How can I graduate by December? Um, And then I did. And I started, I had my own office. I had just turned 21. You know, I thought back to that 12 year old and I was like, I'm on my way. Like this was the plan. Like we're at the labels now. Now we just got to shimmy on up. Right, right, right. (laughs) And um, it was nothing like I thought it would be. I mean, it was, there was so much work and, and I talk a lot about it on my podcast, but there was just, it wasn't even the workload. It was just the environment. And it just, mm-hmm. I was also at a time in my, in my life where m- my own personal life was going through a lot of changes mm-hmm. and I, I couldn't handle it all. And right. I just, I literally, I had my last day of school. I moved home that weekend. And then Monday I started my job. There was no like, Oh, you graduated, go have fun, go relax. And then it's, t- no, it's like literally two days off. And then I start my job and my friends are still drinking and partying and like mm-hmm. doing their thing. And I'm like, Oh, I'm working 15 hour days at a label and I can't even afford to move out of my parents' house because the pay is so small. Right. Um, and I just, you know, they called me sorority girl. And it's <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody was like 10 years older than me. And I just didn't, I, you know, I was more connected to the interns that I was actually in charge of hiring and training than the people that I were my coworkers. And I didn't, I didn't really get it. Plus I was there at a time where I was the set, the Midwest sales manager. So we were in, I was in charge of all the um, Sam goodies and tower records and Virgin mega stores in the Midwest. Right. Right. They were all closing the year that I got there. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) CD sales had stopped. iTunes was blowing up and it was like, Oh, what accounts? This account just closed. This account just closed. And it, right. it was you know, trying to negotiate with all these mom and pop stores. Hey, can you take our inventory? Hey, can we get our artists right. at your stores? You know, it was, it was a lot. And right. um, I was the only one with a Facebook account. So people. So, okay. So this is, this is what you're not because Facebook. Yeah. Because people, people don't remember that Facebook, you had to be in college. Yeah. Like you don't remember yeah. those days. I don't remember the days of where you had to be in college because right. MySpace was what Facebook is now. Yeah, MySpace was the main one, and then right. Facebook you had to have a college email address to even have an yep. account on Facebook. And I, re- I remember I started in 2005 there, and I remember okay. people what, and pe- people, other department heads were like, "Can you run this Facebook post? Like, can you?" Because they were allowing like there weren't ads, but you could like yeah. promote to certain people still. Right. And they're right. like, can you promote to this area? And I was like, why don't you set up an account? And they're like, I don't have one. And I said, just use your college email. And they're like, well, I don't have a college email. <laughs> they're like, email didn't exist when I went to college. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. Right. So people would come into my office for their artists. They're like, I need this post. I need and my Facebook account would be like, <laughs> <laughs> my friends were like, what is happening? Um, right. but that's how it was done. And, uh, and it was, it was, a cr- it was crazy. I mean, it was just an insane time. People were scrambling because nobody was buying CDs anymore. Right. And that was the time of the internet where nobody, cause look, Steve jobs pretty much told people in the, like what, two thousand said, look, this internet thing is going to change the game. And you guys can yeah. either make, you guys have a couple of choices. You can either ignore it. Or it's going to come back and bite you in the ass, and then you're going to have to play catch-up. And for a long time, the music industry was yeah. playing catch-up to technology. And, they, and they're still just now kind of getting out of that, oh, they're you still know, 15, 16 yeah. years later. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> the te- you know, technology, because nobody thought, nobody was foresaw CDs streaming being what it is and, and the MP3 being what it is. And, and so they didn't think that, that, that that's how music was going to evolve to, but, but man, and now <laughs> it, it, CDs have pretty much become, you know, I'm not saying that they're, they're gone away. Cause I think they still work as great ways right. to build community. Exactly. Right. I'm a fan of yours thing. Exactly. But as far as the way we consume, I always tell you, music is consumed more than ever now. Because it's just, but it's just the way we consume it is totally different. So I I, I feel you on that, man. That brings me back. That brings the days back. Because these kids, they don't know, because they grew up in a time where Facebook was just Facebook. Right. And MySpace was the thing that was Facebook was now and you was on MySpace and that's how you discovered artists was on the MySpace music page. You know what yep. I mean? And and things like that, which is obviously is, is no longer there now or not prevalent. You know, sure you could probably still go on there, but nobody's on there. You know what I mean? So 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 yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, it was it was a crazy time. I quit five times. Oh wow showing back up for work because you know, you threaten to quit and it's good. You'll never work in this industry again. Not just, you just won't work here. You won't work in this industry again. Right. It was, um, what are you doing? You're ahead of your colleagues. Now you're going to fall behind. Exactly. Like, right. You know, where do you think you're going to go? Um, and my college roommate and I, at the time, we still had that deaf damn, deaf jam dream. Yeah. And you know, we were like, I'm, I'm saying to her, listen, the label that I'm at, like, we're still pushing CDs. And like, this is still like, it was so frustrating. I mean, no disrespect. There were a lot of people at that label that I have the utmost respect for, but their hands were tied because it wasn't even their call on what to do. Right. And, you know, I said to her, I'm like, let's, let's just keep doing what we started to build. And so right. I, I eventually did leave the label and we okay. thought we'd start our own. We uh, were, okay. we signed a group in Philly they created Hiptronic Electro Hop Music. It was basically okay. rap with like live drums and guitar. It was really great music, but it then became, you can't want the dream more than the artist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I know you feel me on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, can't, it can't be that. And, um, you know, when your artist gets pistol whipped and doesn't show up to a show. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you've got a lot of deals riding on this show, and you brought all the people to the show. Right. It was like, okay, I can't, like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. So then we closed down the label, and we started our own consulting business. Um, But I always tell people, we were great at knowing the music industry. We were horrible at understanding entrepreneurship. And it took me years to realize those are two different things. Oh, yeah. 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 Like knowing copyright law, knowing how contracts work, knowing what, you know, how to edit music and pro tools and all that stuff. That's great. But yeah. if you don't understand how to bring on clients, how to, yeah. you know, manage a profit loss statement, how to right. do all this other stuff, you're, you're dead in the water. Yeah. Um, so Especially trying to run a company. It's, and it's one thing if you're doing it, one thing if you're doing something by yourself, but when you having to go get employees and right different things like this. It's a, it's, it's a lot to because they don't teach you this stuff. This is that stuff you learn in school. Nobody, right. most of the time you go to college to go learn how to work with somebody else. There's right. nobody that 
teaches you the, the entrepreneurship and how that works. And yeah. I think even today, even now, it's glorified. It's a glor- mm-hmm. pe- people are speaking, and, I, and I'm I'm a big proponent of entrepreneurship. I think entrepreneurship is great. That being said, you're signing up for pain when you do that. Yes, yeah, a lot <laughs> of pain and agony and right. all the things that it's rewarding, but yeah. you're you're ultimately signing up for a struggle, and you cannot right. escape that. Right, so, yeah. and and we were ultimately trying to build the empire before we built the foundation. Ah, and so we, had, we were doing all these things and spending all of our money in all different areas instead of just like get one thing off the ground, build mm-hmm. on that, get another thing off the ground, build on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think our, our intentions were in the right place, but it was just going nowhere fast. We were both burning out. Uh, we lived in different cities and um, my dad felt very ill at the time. And I was just like, you know what? I don't want to do this and she didn't want to do this and it was just like yeah she was an artist she had things to express herself too and it was just like you know what we're just gonna call it we ended things amicably and then I just decided maybe the music industry isn't for me okay counselor uh at the college that I went to, uh, she blamed pregnancy brain. We'll just leave it there. But she put me in the wrong program. Oh, wow. <laughs> I told her what I wanted to do. And she put me in the wrong program. And then about halfway through the program, I'm getting ready to graduate. And I said, well, wait a minute. Does this qualify me to go do this and go work at a school? And she was like, oh, no, that's that's not the right program for that. And I said, well, th- that's what you put me in. <laughs> and she said... <laughs> Oh no. Is that what I did? No, you can't, you can't go work at a school with this, with this degree. And I was like, well, well then what do I do? And she said, well, you, you can go get another degree. And I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, well, none of the classes transfer. Like I can't, I've heard nothing. And she was like, Oh no. And oh, wow. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I, I, I was done. I, I finished the master's program and then my, my dad got very, very ill. So at, th- at that point, my mom said, listen, can you just put on hold figuring out your life and figure I was starting to look for jobs that I could use my degree for. And right. she said, can you just get like a job near the hospital and just get like a part-time re- retail job to help out? And I said, yeah, I mean, okay, whatever you need. And I started managing Crate and Barrel in um, in Park Avenue uh, okay. in New York. I was near the hospital, Sloan Kettering, and I I just did that part-time. And I just took a year to do that. And I learned branding and customer service and like how to run a business. And I mean, it was amazing what I learned there. Right. And then I decided, okay, I got to hire a coach. Like, they didn't exist in the music industry at the time, but this girl I had met like years before was like an entrepreneur and she coached other people. And she's like, I can help you. And finally I dug out her number. I was like, Hey, remember me? I need your help. Mm. Like I need to figure this out. And I hired her and for three months we worked together. And then in six months I had a full-time company with the rockstar advocate and the rest is history. (laughs) That is awesome. Wow. That is, you know, that's awesome. And yeah. you were able to, you had to pivot a couple of times. You know, yeah. I think, I think that's another thing too, that people got to realize, look, this journey is tough, man. Yeah. 
like music to pursue a career in entertainment in general, especially music, you know, it, it, this is tough. And a lot of people who achieve success, what you don't hear about is all the times they had to go through their struggle and what they had, mm-hmm. how they had to fit, how they had to pivot from this to this to this to this. But the key is you never gave up. Right? A lot of times people start something and they give up really fast before their blessings actually come and you were able to you were able to stick it through. And I think that's so admirable. And that's why, like I said, that's why this podcast is called Incurred This Fire Podcast. And it's about people who stories as a store of inspiration and mm. encouragement. Because I think that you have to have those, you have to believe in what you is you want to do, especially if you want to achieve. We're in a non-traditional industry. Yeah. Right. And also to entrepreneurship is so up and down. If you don't realize, like you have to pitch and you have to sell, you have to follow up. And it's so it, it's not just as simple as knowing the stuff you know. I have the knowledge all day, but if you don't understand what entrepreneurship really is and what you have to do to even get a client to spend money with you. <laughs> like just the other day, I had a client like normally, so my retainer is 400 bucks a month to hire me on retainer, right? And it's a four-month minimum. So normally what happens is when they hire, when they want to hire me on retainer, we have to do a payment plan. Right. That's usually what happens, nine times out of ten. But most recently, I was on Clubhouse and this guy, my newest client I just picked up, um, was hearing me speak on Clubhouse. He reached out to me, said, hey, look, man, I want to hire you for my, want to hire you for, for your services. For I'm looking to transition from you know, he's in the political space, but he wants to transition to music. And mm-hmm. so he's like, I like, I want to hire you as a consultant. It's like, when I come, and I'm going to come back to you when I'm ready. And so he hit me up. So this was maybe a few weeks back. And then he hit me out the blue the other day. Say, yeah, I'm ready. It's like, cool. All right. So all right, how you want to do it? Oh, I'm ready to pay the whole thing now. Oh, really? <laughs> ready to pay the whole, because I'm just not used to that. I'm used to having to figure out, you know, because you, we're dealing with artists who have no money. We're dealing with, we're dealing with people because for me, I realize that I can make the biggest impact with artists at the beginning of their careers, right? So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to make you into a celebrity. I don't think that's that's everybody's trying to get to the one percent. No, right. But but I think you and I we focus on people who are in the ninety nine percent, right? So so most of what that usually means is most of them just really are just trying to figure it out, and so yeah. and then they don't even realize they need a coach. They don't realize mm-hmm. that bringing somebody on like yourself or myself at the beginning of their journey. Right. Because they're trying to nickel and dime this thing all the way through. So they don't right. really understand that it's actually more beneficial to bring you on or myself or anybody that's a coach on at the beginning of their journey. Because what we do is we help to minimize the mistakes. Right. 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 And it took me a long time to learn this. I mean, the woman that I hired for eight years, we had been in contact. She was a friend of mine. We like passed uh, cross paths many times. And she said, Hey, I mean, like, how are you doing? Like, how's that business going? Like, what are you up to? And I kept thinking to myself, like, don't, don't look at me. Like, don't, don't judge her. I'm, I'm getting there. Meanwhile, she's making six figures, like consistently every year, like doing what she's doing. And I'm like, well, well, yeah, but you're not in the music industry. So like, you don't get it. Like that can't, you can't get that kind of money in the music industry. You can't, you're, you know, you you think all your stuff, it doesn't work in Mm -hmm. my industry. And I kept telling her like, thanks, but no thanks. And then finally, I, I met, I met with this entertainment attorney. He mm-hmm. said he wanted to hire me. 
um, he reached out to me. And so he's like, I'm interested, like, what kind of business are you building? I want to help you. Like, I want to coach you through this. And I was like, Oh, all right. And I met with him and we sat down at, uh, in, in, uh, at a park in New York city. And he looked, he didn't even look, I like gave, I had a whole presentation ready. I gave him my proposal. He didn't even open it. And he's like, see, here's the thing. I need a paralegal. I know you have paralegal experience work for me for two years. And when I feel you're ready, I'll coach you and do everything that you need. I'll tell you everything you need to know to get your business up and running. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Like, I felt like I got catfished. I was like, this was not, you know, I've done that thing before. I've done the whole, I help you build your thing. It's my time. So I said, well, thank you very much. Excuse me. And I I got up from the table (laughs) and I called the woman and I said, I'm ready. How I don't even care how much. And it was an investment. But I was like, I, I don't care. To me, it was a semester at school. Yeah. To me, like I'm going back to school to get my entrepreneur degree. Right. And I'm going to figure this out. And in three months, I was able to understand how to onboard clients, how to find the clients, how to understand how to create my services, how to price my services. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. let me tell you something. That's even now that is difficult for me because it's, it's how, hard. How, how do you know? And let's take it. How do you know what? How do you know what price is fair for you? Like, sure. even coming up with the four hundred bucks a month, right? So right. let's break that down for a second. So, okay, my normal retainer, my normal hourly rate is one fifty an hour, mm-hmm. right? That's if you just want to hire me, right. whatever. I, so I said, okay, well, if you hire me a retainer, I'm gonna do a little discount. Okay, you're gonna invest right. my time. So I knocked that down to okay, a hundred an hour for one right. hour a week. We have a we have a we have a formal call for one mm-hmm. hour a week, so four weeks in a month, four hundred a month. Right. And even that, somebody told me the other day, well, damn, that's still kind of low. Like, and I'm just like, it's just tough because it's like, how do you how do you know how to price it where it's fair for you? Right. So you're not necessarily pricing yourself out of people even me. And we also got to think, who are we attracting? Who are we right. we're working with people who don't have a whole lot, who don't have funding anyway so if you say oh well my you got to pay me six hundred dollars a month you know but then they got (laughs) that that was gonna pay me that but then they gotta pay for the product and all the other things they gotta do it's like you know so i kind of settled at the 400 bucks a month thing on the return thing like okay it used to be lower than that actually it used to be 250 a month Right. And then my mentor said, Cameron Rinsen, she said, no, that's way too low. She said, Darrell, right. said, you're too viable for that. Like, there's right. no way you can, I come back to like 50 bucks an hour. She's like, there's right. no way you can do that. There's just no way. You have to raise it at least, where at least it's 100 hours. So that's what I raised it to 400 a month. But that's so difficult. Like, the for, the formula of how to price it properly. I think that's right. someone, a major issue. I feel you on that. Yeah, well, here's the thing. It's like, you know, now over the years I've learned I've learned more and more how to like not not base it on your time because it might not take you long to get somebody to the results they need or it might not take you long to create that document for them. But it doesn't take you that long because you've got the years of experience and training so that it doesn't take you long. Um, And so, you know, I've definitely I think we all start with, well, like, what's my hourly rate? And then we do the math and and do that. And that's definitely how I've started. And I have done that way for a long time. And it's changed for me recently in the last few years because because of that thinking, because realizing like, well, 
I'm now in the middle of my second master's program. I've been in the game almost 20 years. Right. There are things that I can do rather quickly. Why should that discount what I get then just because I know how to get there faster? And it's the, you know, one of my coaches that I had recently, Jamie Jensen, you know, talking a lot about it. It's about what is the value of the end result? It's mm-hmm. not so much how long does it take you or, or what, what features are you giving with the service? It's at the end of working together, what is that person going to have and what is the value of that? How much time is it saving them? How much further ahead is it getting them? And how much closer to their goal is it getting them? Mm-hmm. And what is the value of that? And the way I look at it now is, you know, not for nothing. I, I, am, I am of the full mindset that everybody can do this if they want to. I, I fully, fully believe that if anybody, you know, wants to create a career from doing what they love, it is possible. It is not easy, but it is absolutely possible. And mm-hmm. you have to figure out a plan to get there. Right. But I also believe not everybody is willing to do what it takes, meaning, right. yeah, I didn't always have the funds either. I was, I was very blessed in the beginning. My parents helped me out in the beginning with school. But then afterwards, if I didn't take a job that they wanted me to take, then it was well, good luck and figure it out. And yeah. so it was like, well, then how do I pay my rent and um, and eat <laughs> every right. day and, and hire a coach, which is why I didn't hire a coach for so long. But then what I realized was all the money I thought I was saving by not hiring a coach, I was wasting on like investing my money in the wrong ads and throwing money right. at the didn't work and you know wasting time trying to get clients and 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 not getting the right amount of money that was you know not pricing things correctly um all of those mistakes were costing me and so when i was able to look at it and say okay listen i'm gonna hire a coach and i'm gonna look at this like i would at school if if i went back to school and this is what i would have paid okay, but here I'm also going back to school and the professor, just me and the professor and the professor not only is like, you know, qualified to teach it, they're doing it. She's making the six figures. She's bringing home all of this money and, and find, and getting an impact and getting results for her clients. So she, I'm, I'm getting trained. She's like my trade coach. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, so then what am I willing to pay to get that done and get, get that, that business up and running full time in six months when I spent years trying to get other businesses up and running and I couldn't. So it, I know what the trust that it takes and the, the money mindset it takes to, to dive into coaching. I know how hard it was for me to trust that. And so that's, that's my goal with all my free content and everything that I put out there is to show show musicians i get it this takes a lot of trust to call up Darrell, to call me up and yeah. say i need help because all the money you're going to throw into this is money you've busted your ass to save right right but at the same time let's be real those same artists will turn around and drop it out of studio without <laughs> even thinking and look because- look and we're well we're we're, in, we're working urban so look they're going to smoke weed. they're going to buy the weed right like, right. They, got, they, got, they, got, they have enough money to get the weed. They have enough right. money to get the Jordans. They have, right. Like, let's be called cold it is what it is, right? Exactly. So, so they're going to find it to go and, and, exactly. and, and do something else. Right. And I think it's that middle ground. I will never be, listen, there are coaches out there. I've heard them. I've heard their spiel. They'll be like, just take out that other credit card. Just sign up for another credit card. Just put, 
get that mortgage. Like, you know, listen, I think I am not down with that. I will no. never tell somebody to go into debt to work with me. Right. But I also will question, as you yourself said, like, well, where else is your money going right. that maybe you could decrease that and put it more towards coaching to exactly. get right? Right. You no, know? That, well, I think there's a middle exactly, ground there. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right. I feel you. I right. feel you. So let's right. talk about, um, so, you know, we kind of covered some of this other stuff. But let's talk about the rockstar advocate and like the, your focus on time management productivity. Like, what made you want to make that kind of the main? Is that kind of the main premise of your business? Yeah. 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 So, so, um, so, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, it, I kind of got there by accident. And what I mean by that is when I started with my coach and she said to me, Well, you know, what is your dream? What would you love to do? And I said, Well, I, I want to be a counselor. I want to focus on mental health and focus on substance abuse and those who have survived sexual assault and harassment in the industry. And those who are traumatized by other things in this industry, I want to help them overcome that and get to where they're going. And I didn't quite like right now I'm going for my state license. So I will be able to do all of that. But at the moment I didn't have all the qualifications to ethically do all of that. I certainly had the experience with substance abuse and, and experiences in the industry where I could listen and empathize with people. Right. But I, you know, I didn't want to also, I think too many people get into coaching and leading people in a way that they're not really tr- properly trained to do so. Right. And so I, di- I didn't want to get into the whole mental health talk and, and get in without, over my head. Right. Without um, you being right. But- trained right. and how to do it right correct yeah. right yeah. right because you can get yourself in a lot of hot water and you, and, and and you can damage the people you're working with so right there was that piece to it but there was also i said well also okay well i am a trained counselor like i can counsel them i'm not their therapist and i'm not going to diagnose them with anything but i can counsel them and guide them in certain areas so then i started with well, okay let, let's work on substance abuse and like let's start talking about how not to, you know, how to perform on stage without getting wasted beforehand or without getting high beforehand. And I started going to these clients of mine that I had worked with in my other businesses. And I said, Hey, listen, here's what I'm doing now. You know, what, what price would feel good? What would you pay for this? Let's talk about these services. And they're like, yeah, I'm good. Like, thank you. I'd let, you know, be, and these were the people that are already calling me at two in the morning, already (laughs) emailing me nonstop, telling me about all this stuff. But I became like the free person that they leaned on. Exactly. And I wanted to put a money price on it. They were like, no, 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 that's therapy. Like, yeah. I don't go to, I'm not, I don't go to therapy, but thank you. And I'll let you know when I need some support. Wow. And then I got to shout out, shout out my girl, Karina Seligman, who's now doing, getting her master's in wellness and, and counseling. She was one of my very first artists that said, listen, I tour nonstop. And okay. I've, I've got burnout. We, we talked about post tra- um, post tour trauma and, okay. and, 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 and post tour um, burnout. And, um, you know, there wasn't really a name for it at the time, but that's what we called it. And we were like, okay, let's talk about this. And so we filmed a couple of videos and I worked with her talking about like how to re enter your day-to-day life when you're back from tour and you got to find a new apartment. You got to get that part-time job back and, your friends and family haven't seen you in months and like, but, you know, this post tour depression that kicks in, you know, because your, your life is different now. And you say, and this is touring as an independent artist or touring, yeah. it's touring right. a self, a self-funded tour. 
right. self-funded. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I've been there. Trust me. I know what that looks like. You know, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not it's fun. Lot. It's not. It's a yeah, lot to handle. Yeah. And, and also coming off the road where you're in a different city almost every night, you're drinking, your eating habits aren't great. You're coming back and now you're like, oh yeah, that boyfriend and girlfriend I just left at home now has their own life. My job is no longer where I left it. My yeah. apartment that I subletted is now somebody trashed it while I was gone. <laughs> like all these horror stories. And she would tell me about it and we would talk about it. And then I realized, okay, people are not going to hire me. People weren't ready back in 2014 to talk about mental health and self-care. Right. Back then it wasn't the thing wasn't now. Now, now, now it's a thing. <laughs> now it's definitely a thing. But back then exactly. it definitely wasn't. Right. Exactly. So then I started saying, thinking to myself, well, as my coach would tell me, like, you got to meet people where they are. What yeah. conversations do they want to have? And when I would mention time management, they were like, oh, girl, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't I got no time for anything. And then I thought, OK, well, here's the thing. Time management and productivity all stems from how you're motivated and we're all motivated differently. Yeah. So it was the mental health. It was the self-care. It was talking about those deeper things, but I market productivity and time management. See, I'm, I'm telling everyone my secrets now, but what <laughs> I end up doing with people is tapping into, well, what motivates you? What scares you? What holds you back? What causes you to procrastinate? Because it's different for everybody. So I teach you time management. I teach you productivity, but most of the time I give most of those tips away for free. What what really is what happens when I'm coaching with somebody is digging into what motivates them specifically. And then let's take all those tips with productivity and meld them together and see how they work for you. Because I think everybody has a different thing that makes them tick. Some right. people love to work late into the night. You're never going to be part of the 5 a.m. club. Stop trying. Right. I love it. I love what you said that because so many people feel like, <laughs> oh, if you're not up by six in the morning, then you, you just, you can't get like, no, some people aren't like that. Some people aren't, they, they some people like, like I usually, you know, some people like to stay up late. So their day might not start till 11 or 11 or right. 12 and, that, right. and they go, they're going to run late. So yeah, right. I think there's a, a, a lot of uh, this notion of if you're not up at three o'clock in the morning, somehow you just, you're, you're losing out. And I just don't think that's true. Right. And I had to say to myself, well, what does it mean when I am up at three, but it's because that's still my evening and I'm still working. Like, does that make me less than because I'm not up <laughs> doing yoga with the sunrise? Like, right. what, what does that mean? I like to do yoga when the sun is setting. Like, who cares? Like, maybe right. I don't even want to do yoga. Like, right. what does that mean? And so, yeah, I, I think yeah. for me, my approach is what makes you you and how can we leverage those strengths? Because if you continue to try to fit in the box, your neck is going to start to hurt. <laughs> of course. And you're not going to be happy because you're trying to do what, what, look, it's just like, it's just like, it's just like trying to have a success in our, in the music industry. No two people get in the same way. No exactly. two people's careers are the same exact way. Now there's similarities, uh -huh. you know, but to sit there and say, it's going to happen exactly the way you, this is art. Art is subjective. Nobody can guarantee you um, how something is going to happen verbatim. Nobody can do that. If they're doing that, they're lying to you. <laughs> right, run the other way. All right, people are saying, oh, well, Darrell, you pay, I paid you $2,000. Make me a star. It doesn't work that way. If we, if we could all just say, hey, here's the amount of money, you're a star, or you're this, I wish if it worked that way, we'd all be multi-millionaires right now because we all follow the same path. It just doesn't work that way. Some people, it just takes longer. Yeah. 
there's two there's two types of artists in the marketplace creatives i let you you're either trendy or you're talented we call that career artist versus like you know right now right if right. your if your career artist or it's naturally going to take you longer. Usually career artists are more talented. They're the one with more of a talent. They have more of a special gift you, versus somebody who's on trend. They're just doing what they see that's working on trend right now, but they, they're not going to really be here for that long. So they already know that. So they're going to come in here and they're going to be here for a short period of time and then they're going to be gone, right? I'd rather work with people who are going to be here for 25 years. Exactly. That's yep. who i rather work with. And so for me, that's why I preach so much about having a core audience, because you don't need 10, you don't need a million people to make a living in this business. Right. I think, you know, it goes back to time management productivity, I think, because here's what a lot of creatives hate. They hate social media. I love social media, but they hate it. And let's get into that. Why is it that, why is it that creatives hate why is it that creatives hate social media? Think going into the time management productivity thing. I think that's where a lot of them don't like it. They don't like to have to spend the time on right. social I, media. I think it honestly goes back to you know getting up on stage and not being able to do it without having a drink or getting high. It's the yeah. you're you're on display, and yeah. a lot of artists are introverted. And I get that. True. Listen, I'm like the most introverted of introverts. I understand. However, if you want to get your music out there, and that's why I always say to people too, they get locked into, oh, I, I want I want I want to be successful at music. So I guess that means I have to be famous and I guess that means I got to go out there and, and perform, but I don't want to. And I'm like, then write for other people right. or write for t- TV and film right. or write, like there's so many other avenues you can take this that you don't have to be on the forefront if you don't want to be. Right. But if you do want to be, yeah. Then, you know, create your own Sasha Fierce, figure out what your alter ego is and mm-hmm. do what you need to do to get up there. Because I think a lot of them just fear I'm going to do it wrong or they're going to judge me or I'm going to hear crickets. And I'm like, so what? Like right. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. You think I always had people <laughs> like reacting or engaging with what I did? I had a YouTube channel for like four years and I think I maybe got five views on every video. Like. <laughs> There were, right. And listen, there were clearly things I was doing wrong. You know, I, I needed help and I needed to figure out how to do a YouTube channel, but I was still doing the work and showing up. And what I did on that YouTube channel, I learned things for, you know, where to do it elsewhere. And, right. it, and it took some time, but I think people are so afraid of being messy. And right. here's the thing. It's, it hurts their ego at first, but I have to say to them, like, nobody cares. Right. Like that's the thing. Nobody cares until they care and you can't get them to care unless you're consistent. So if you think, Oh my God, I missed a day. I didn't post. Nobody cares. So just post today. (laughs) Or if you, if you did a live and you messed up or you got, you know, you had internet problems, everybody who's in my community knows I'm the queen of tech issues. Guess what? Like it's going to happen. I I did a webinar back in 2019, uh, Halloween, on 2019 and I did it was called what happens when your plan goes to shit that's literally what it was called and I was (laughs) talking about how to play in the mess and how to pivot and I kid you not I couldn't have planned it any better I'm halfway through and my internet goes out we had a storm it was Halloween 
Oh, man. A circuit and the whole internet, I could not get back on. So I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And normally I would panic and have a breakdown and be like, oh my God, I worked so hard on this launch. I worked so hard. I had like 30 people show up live. I had a couple hundred people sign up and this, oh my God. So then I just took my phone and I emailed the list and I said, guys, I, it, that was on me. I'm working on this. Go enjoy your Halloween. I'm going to re-record and email you all a recording. Right. And that's what I did. And I, I didn't need internet to record. I got out my laptop. I just recorded a whole presentation. And then right. when the internet kicked back in, I emailed everybody. And I was like, guys, I'm so sorry. Here it is. And guess what? Nobody cared. Nobody and, don't care. Right, right. Right. And if anything, the people were like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I've been there. That's so, they that's re- so they stressful. Re- they, re- they relate to it. You know, I, I just I just put up on my Instagram yesterday. I just posted. And I want to read to you what I posted yesterday. Yep. I said, remember that in today's music ecosystem, your core audience and community relates more to the shortcomings you show on your come up Uh then the big wins you accumulate as you get close to your finish line because of relatability. Yes. Bingo. And that made me think of that. And, yeah. and, and, and people now see nowadays because of the internet and social media, people care more about watching your grind. They care more about watching you make mistakes, you know, in the days of the, in the, the old days of the record industry where it wasn't, we didn't have the direct the fan concept. People only wanted to see the finished product. They didn't care about, the struggle. They didn't care about. This is why when Pebbles put TLC together, they pr- they were together. They practiced for two years before you probably ever saw mm-hmm. anything. Of, probably, you know, success, right, right. <laughs> right. They didn't. Nobody says back then. Nobody. Right. There was artist development. Nobody wanted to see the, the 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 grind. One because one, they were creating your fan base once after you got signed. It wasn't nowadays where they won't even look at you until you have a base. Right. So, so I think that's so true. So, so yeah, the fact that you were honest and you're people relate to that people connect right. to that. So I love, yeah, that made me think of that just now. And that's why I wanted to bring yeah, that up. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think to touch upon your point there, the other reason they hate social media is because they don't have the numbers yet and they're focused. Right. On the and it's like, Hey, yeah, guys, I don't got the numbers. But I don't, it doesn't stop me from posting. Right. <laughs> and it's like, guys, listen, like in order to get there, you got the first 30 followers that you have, you actually have to care about them. Yeah. What if you were if you were one of the first people following somebody and they didn't treat you with respect because you weren't number 3000 then would you want to continue to follow that person like stop disrespecting the followers you have now and start caring about them because they're the ones that are going to get you your other followers exactly exactly <laughs> and, and another thing too so for me that's why it's so important for the brand positioning and when I talk a lot about brand positioning and 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 buy our fan persona because one, even before that, who you are as an artist, right? You have to know that first. And then you have to know what your brand position is. Why? Because that's now going to now you know who you now you know what you what you what, what you're what you're trying to do, what you're trying to solve. There's three elements of the brand position for me. The niche community, mm-hmm. who you are, and why should somebody care? Yes. If, you, if you could figure yeah. out those three things right now, you know what your brand's for. So with that brand positioning statement that can go on your website, that can go on your bio, people automatically know what you're all about before they even hear anything you're doing. 
right? And then after that, it's about the bar fan persona or the fan avatar or whatever you want to call it. People call it whatever. So now you know who you're talking to. Okay, what is what is your core fan or core supporter look like? Right. Because once you have those two elements, then we can start to figure out. Now we can get into content creation. Mm-hmm. Now we know, okay, we know who we are. We know who we're talking to. So now we know what the messaging is to be able to connect to the audience to ultimately build community. Right. And that's kind of what I teach. See, I'm not one of these guys that teaches put stuff out, run ads, put stuff out, run ads. And I'm just like, okay, that's scalability. And I understand that, but majority of the creatives that I work with aren't even ready for that yet. Right. Stop teaching people to just say, put, make great content, run ads. Right. That doesn't work for 95% of the people out here. Right. Maybe for a small percentage, it does. If you're scaling, like a guy like right. Rick Barker, he scales. Right. So, right. Add, you know, but but but, you know, to teach some, to tell somebody that they have to, they got to make a piece of content today and just run a bunch of ads, and it doesn't work. Right now, now you now they're discouraged even more because right. they just you're a guru to you're whatever coach you are, right. and you told them that's what they're supposed to do. Now they don't believe in it no more because they're running ads and the ads aren't working, but they don't have the foundation yet. And that's the thing too, just like your fans are getting to know you, you're getting to know your own content too. So create, 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 get messy, archive it or delete it if you don't like it later, but like keep creating until you find, oh, this is what I like to talk about. This, this is what works for me. This is why I love Arielle Hyatt so much at cyber PR. She's like, get your three to five themes nailed down and continue to talk about those three to five topics like that you you don't have to talk about everything under the sun like you if you go to my page you're going to see me talk about my dog charlie in my tiny house living in queens and then you're going to hear me talk about time management mindset and you know what it was like working at the labels like those those are the things that i talk about i can talk about those things all day long and if you identify those things then you'll you'll never run out of content because you love to talk about those things. Exactly, so, and you know, right, and, exactly. I love yeah. That. I love, I love that. that you brought up the niches because you know so many people are afraid of niching down because they keep thinking global audience, global audience. And I believe in that too. I believe in global, but yeah, you got to start with the niche. Yeah. You got riches are in the niches. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think you know Kevin Lyles. So. I don't know if you've been following Steve Stout versus Kevin Lyles. Because Steve Stout, with United Masters, he talks about nowadays it's about growing your community deep versus right. growing wide. Versus yes. a, versus Kevin Lyles over at 300 is about you can't be a global success, commercial success without a major record company, which he's right about that. But 99% of the creators in the marketplace ain't going to a major record company. Right. Right? So, and... What they got to realize, too, is most of them are going to find their audience um, globally in other parts of the world. So everybody, look, everybody's not going to get to the, everybody's not going to win a Grammy. Everybody, see, people got to stop validating their successes on what the industry's telling you. Right. The industry says, what the industry is, you're asking for permission. I say this all the time. You're saying, hey, Suze, tell me if I'm good enough. Right. Tell me, okay, based off this metric, I'm good enough. Right. Right? The music business 
direct the fan, your fans don't give a shit about what yeah. your Spotify monthly listeners look like or how many playlists you're on. They don't care about that. Right. As long as you're solving the problem for them, that's right. all they care about. And I think there is a difference between trying to be in the music industry versus trying to be in the music business versus understanding the business of music. It's three different mm-hmm. things. And there's so many creators out here I see trying to fit into the music industry because in their minds, the only thing that's success for them is Grammys and world tours. That's right. the only thing that's going to be successful. And for people like that, I can't help them. I'm pretty sure you're the same way. You probably can't help people like that because right. no matter what you tell them to do, they only see success in that prism and it's nothing right. else is going to suffice. So I don't waste my time with people like that. Exactly. Exactly. And I always, I know plenty of artists who bring home six figures or close to six figures or more than six figures and they are living their life. And guess what? Not one of them has a Grammy or has a major label deal. They're yeah. independent. They're doing it their way. They're raising their families. They're doing stuff that they want to do. And, and they figured out how to make it work for them. And they love up their fans. Exactly. Like, love like your audience. Super about. serve them. Right. 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 So, so I know we've been, we've been rocking. I got a couple more things I want to cover. Sure. Um, so, you know, talk about the Rockstar Life Planner, like the, the, your first book. Like what, what, tell me about that and, and, and how that's tra- how that's you've been able to help transform a lot of artists and helping them to get 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 their stuff together, get their shit together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it was it's been really great. One of my other college um, b- uh, best friends, Miss Elizabeth Jackson, uh, and I got together on this. She's she's a creative. She's out in the music industry, but um, we just love you know we're we're both entrepreneurs. We both like start our own careers and do our own thing and. Um, she's a whiz at, uh, Adobe, <laughs> Adobe design and all that stuff. And back in 2015, we were like, yeah, I can't find a planner that I like, like, I'm, I want to do this and that, but this doesn't have room for this. And this is to this and all of, all of that stuff. And at the time I was creating templates for my clients all the time, like social media templates and how to plan your newsletter templates and checklists for packing and going on tour and all these things. And I said, well, maybe I can do something with this. I was like, maybe I can create a planner like this. And so we spent months tinkering with different, like different problems we wanted a planner to solve for us and different things as entrepreneurs we needed to keep track of. And so in 2016, we, we self-published our, our 2016 Rockstar Life Planner. Um, and it was like the size of a Bible. It was like 500 pages, not spiral bound. It was like five by, th- I mean, it was like this thick little book. Right. And, um, and we sold a bunch and we were really excited about it. I mean, I, I remember she came with me to a music conference and I was about to go on a panel. And one of the veterans of the industry was like, nobody's going to buy this. Like musicians do not care about time management. And he said it as people were lining up to buy the book. And I was like, well, I I definitely disagree, but thanks. But I think because people don't want to give musicians the respect that they deserve that like they want to, they want to be successful entrepreneurs. They want to know the business, but when you don't give them a chance or you write them off or you don't give them the tools they need, they're not going to do it. So, you know, I, I think a lot, a lot of musicians do want to get better there. They just want the tools and they want to explain to them. So that's what I started to do. And over the years, by 2019, we finally got it spiral bound. We figured out 
the the size that people we we went eight by eleven, we went five by six. We figured out the size that people preferred, and right. um, it's been it's been really great. The last two two years, it sold out from its first printing, and um, I'm really uh, excited and proud of that. And so um, now, after uh, some issues with Amazon, and it's it, they're not somebody that I. I enjoy working with. I decided to do it fully off my own website. It's I now offer free shipping, and Smart. you know I'm I'm doing it my way. Um, Smart. <laughs> so no, I, it's I been think, working yeah. out. I, I love that. I love that when you can cut them out too, because a lot of times it's like anything. It's like I, it's like the DSP versus selling it direct, right? So you can right. put your music out on the DSPs, but you could also use a platform like Gumroad or Bandcamp, where you can sell direct, and then people can tell you. Uh, if they liked your music enough, could you put your music on the DSPs? One, you're getting paid a fraction of a penny per string, right. whatever it is. But if you're selling your music direct, people can support you with how much they think your music is worth to them. So if they want to spend $100 for your album, but they can get directly from you, why not let them do that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know and there I mean? was a lot of fear around that. Like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm limiting myself. I've made more sales selling it on my own website than I did trying to do it through Amazon. Yeah, I think so. yeah, I think people people are just afraid. I think people are just afraid because they're just used to the norm. Like they're just right. used to the norm of things. And, and I think in today's space, you have to be a little bit be willing to kind of go when everybody else is zigging, you gotta zag a little bit, right? right? Type of right. type of situation, you know. Yeah. And so um your your podcast, you know, the the musicpreneur mindset podcast. Tell me about that. Tell me about uh, what makes why do you want to start the podcast and kind of what stuff you cover on that podcast? Yeah, appreciate it. So we just passed our episode 100. Um, so thank you. Yeah, I was very, very surprised. Didn't think it would be going this long. We're in season four. Um, I started it in 2018, uh, January of 2018, because in 2017, I hosted my first um, annual Musicpreneur Mindset Summit. And it went really well and people really um, got a lot out of it, which I was pleasantly surprised at and very thankful for. And they all just kept reaching out to me saying like, I really like, we, we focused a lot on mindset, productivity, what it really means to be an entrepreneur. And they said, you know, I, I, I want to like keep the conversation going. And they were all emailing me, asking me different things. And we all started talking. And then I thought, I asked some of them, I'm like, well, what if I did a podcast about this? Like, would you tune in? Like, who would you want to hear from? And so I, I've created the Music for Normal Mindset podcast to focus on musicians who, you know, so many times we hear from industry experts and I'll certainly have some of them on as well, but, but I really wanted to focus on the musicians and what their stories were, what their struggles were and how yeah. they were learning how to become entrepreneurs. Right. Um, and so, and then that's what we focus on. And um, it's been, it's been really great. I, I love that. I think, you know what? People like yourself and myself, right? And that could be for me. See, I've never worked in the major label system, but I, I always tell myself, I feel like I'm more viable today in this in the space of where music is today because majority of people will never go to a major record company. So I have the knowledge, the expertise, and the relationships across the industry. Unless, you know, I'm disabled. I have a disability. And there's not a lot of people in the space that I'm in with a disability who have the respect that I have and the mm -hmm. knowledge that I have with the relationships that I have that can help people get results. And I feel like that's something special. Right. And I, and, and I, and I, there's something special about that. So, so when you can provide the knowledge and the expertise that you have 
for, for people out there that, that really need it, you know, because this is a, you need a special education to be in this industry. You just do. It's, yep. it's like going to real estate school. You want to go sell, right. you got to go to, if you want to go to law, if you want to be a lawyer, you got to go to law school. If you want to go right. sell homes, you got to go to real estate school. If exactly. you want to be in the music business, you have to, you have to get the education on how to be successfully in the music business. And so I think there's a knowledge base that you need to have. So I think people like yourself and myself and other friends of ours that do what we do, similarly, we're all here spreading the knowledge that's needed for mm. people to be successful in today's space. And the yeah. last thing I wanted to talk about too, you've been able to have a lot of your content posted on a lot of other platforms like um, Riding Tide, Sonic Bids, Thrive, TuneCore, Soundfly. What I love about that is I always preach about the concept of, you know, paid media, sh- uh, shared media, earned media, and owned media. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So obviously paid media is you paying for eyeballs on your stuff, ads, whatever it is. And then shared media is for people in your community who follow you, like your content, and share it into their community. But the holy grail you want to get to is earned media. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's when people outside of your community where you post, where they find your content, they post inside their spaces. And now that means your brand voice has equity now. And I love that, that, that because we've been able to share your content on these other platforms, you've now been able to create equity within your, within your brand and your brand voice. I love that. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it really um, hats off to, to the people at Sonic Bids and, and Soundfly for, you know, being the first people to kind of give me a, a chance to write for them. And, and I have to sh- shout out uh, Angela Master Giacomo um, because she, uh, you know, I reached out to her, this was like years ago. And I, I said, you know, I see you writing for other, these other blogs. Like, how do you do that? Like, how, how do you get started? And, you know, she was kind enough to, to put me in touch with people and give me an introduction. And then I realized like, okay, there are other blogs out there like Thrive, like Rising Tide that aren't music blogs, but, you know, they need, they need this knowledge too. And they need to also understand that their fellow creatives who are in music also need their help and support. And that this is what's going on in the music industry. Um, and so, you know, I, I signed up to be guest uh, contributors for them as well. And, you know, it, it, it was an, it was a good way for me to, to create content, to get content out there. I also was somebody who I know my own motivation when I have somebody else relying on me, I'm going to show up. Right. And, when I tried to do my own blog, I was like, eh, yeah, I'll get to it. When somebody yeah. else is like, here's the deadline. I'm like, Oh, okay. Let me write for you guys. Um, and then I, I can share a piece of that for social media content, or I've done podcast episodes on them or, you know, stuff like that. So um, it's been, it's been a great journey uh, to just help get your name out there because also it's all connected. If you figure out, well, I want to have this speaking gig or, Oh, I want to get this, this thing done. Well, I need, you know, that social proof. Like, well, where yeah. is that? And writing for other blogs is such a great way. It's like low hanging fruit. A lot of them, um, some you do have to pitch to and, and they have to choose you and, and be okay with you writing for them. Some, you just have to create a, a, an account. And as long as you are within their guidelines, their, your stuff is posted on their site. So it's it's an easy, faster way to to get that, earn content as you were saying and and get your name out there so that when you do pitch to to harder 
to get opportunities. You can say, I've been on this, I've been on that. My stuff right. can be found here. And that gives you a little bit more credibility. So it was a good jumping off point for me. And I, I highly suggest people do it. Even as musicians, you know, write for lifestyle blogs. You right. can talk about your music and, and all of that, but, but get it out there and share your story uh, that way. I love that. I love that. This has been such a great episode. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank where can you. They, where, where, can they, where can people find you? Where I find you on social media and what's the best way to contact you if they want to, you know, work with you or interested in, in, in finding more about, you know, the Rockstar Life Planner and that type of stuff like that. So. Yeah, you can find everything on my website, therockstaradvocate.com. You'll find the planner page there, the shop with all the other accessories. Um, find me on Instagram. That's pretty much where I live. It's at rockstaradvo, A-D-V-O. Come DM me, shoot me a shoot me a question, connect with me. I'm happy to, you know, uh, send you a link so that we can set up a time to talk and get and get to know what what your needs are. And and that's really all there is to it. Oh man, well, like Sus, so, so, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed my time and we've covered so much, dropped so much gems today. So hopefully <laughs> when this comes out, people will really enjoy it. So thank you again for your time. And guys, this has been the Encouraging Us by our podcast. This is your host, Darrell Pierre. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>